Warning, this podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This. I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. Today we're going to talk about Carter. (laughs) Russ made a point. (laughs) As he often does. I mean, not all of your points are good, but this one happens to be good. Russ made a point last week that the the action is so nonstop and it kind of becomes background noise. Yes. Yeah. I was doing dishes and before I realized it, I was like, oh, the movie's still on. So I, I don't know if I'm going to recommend it, but there is one thing about this movie that I think it absolutely excels at. And it's something I recently happened to learn while listening to Re- Overly Sarcastic Productions Red talking about tropes on their YouTube channel. And I highly recommend you you watch them and subscribe to it. They're Shout much... out to YouTube.com. Well, no, no. The <laughs> Overly Sarcastic Productions channel, you idiot. Okay. Oh, right. Yes. So, yeah. The term, you, you are all going to know what I'm talking about as soon as I say it, but the term for it, I didn't know. It is called the conservation of ninjutsu. And what it means yeah. is when you are facing one ninja, that ninja is very strong. But when you are facing 50 ninjas, they're all can be taken out with a single brush to the side of the head. And this, this movie displays that more than any other movie I have ever seen in my entire oh, life. Oh, Absolutely. They, I mean, it starts with a hundred Yakuza in a bathhouse fight. And here's what I'll say. I think it's relatively creative, but it doesn't feel graceful and balletic like John Wick. <laughs> it feels Wick. clunky it feels as like, hell. They turn into yeah. Gary's mod characters. It feels like something he has to get through, but not something that we're supposed to appreciate. But I, I don't know. The, the, the action for me in this action movie, while plentiful, just didn't... There was something... It didn't quite work. Murders and doing dishes should not go together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unless what you're murdering you people with ending, the dishes. Though? The end. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Boom! I wasn't even surprised. <laughs> like, of course, the bridge Such blew up. Like, I, yeah. Touch. Oh, I mean, it was it, the, the bridge blows up. It was. Well, don't watch this movie. It was good, but. No, I mean the the ending bleep there was good, but I don't think sitting through that whole movie was worth it. I and I know I like action movies, but you know what can I say? It just didn't do it for me. My favorite shot in the movie is still the one where he's using the grappling gun to get to the next building yes. over, and they pan around him for no reason seven times. Yeah, I, I thought that was actually a pretty cool shot. If the whole movie had been kind of that over the top, I think I might have enjoyed it. But a lot of it was just like stabbing people in the face. And it wasn't, I don't know, it John Wick it ain't. Oh, Kung Fury. It reminded me of a too long Kung Fury. Well, Kung Fury was great. Well, the wheel demanded romance. Mm. And <laughs> Fry picked this one. Indeed I did. <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair for you to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, well, 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 we'll get to that in a minute because uh, for Untitled.Text today, we better be talking about romance movies, hadn't we? Yes. It would I'm be sure we'll do we really good on this. I mean, we're such big romance movie fans. I know a romance movie. <laughs> uh, I know one. It... I watched it last night. 
Are they the Princess Bride, both of them? Oh, uh, yes. I mean, no, one of the... Oh, I, okay, I know two. Well, bad news, the Princess it? Bride isn't on this list. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> the scores currently sit at Fry 12, James 10, so away we mm. go. The idea for this film was brought to director Michael Gondry by his friend, artist Pierre Bismuth, who suggested you get a card in the mail that says someone you know has just erased you from their memory. Oh, oh that's Eternal a Sunshine of mail. the Spotless Mind. For I got that one, that was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> what? You've seen that, haven't you, James? No, you I never think I did. You never saw that movie? No, it just didn't look interesting. Oh, oh it's so you good. You were wrong. It, it's very good. It, it's real good. Yeah. So good. This is the highest grossing live action William Shakespeare adaptation. Shakespeare in Love. No. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. That is the correct answer, Romeo and Juliet. But which Romeo and Juliet? Is it Baz is it the Baz Luhrmann one? You know what? I'll give you each a point for that one. Just for naming the director. Sweet. Patrick Swayze said the pottery scene from this movie ghost. was... Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Fry by a nose. <laughs> you can... I am very curious about the whole question, though. Well, it's very short. I was hoping I could get through it before you screamed out the answer. Uh, Patrick Swayze has said that the pottery scene from this movie was the sexiest thing he has ever done on film. I guess I should say had, because he's dead now. But uh, mm. there was a bonus there. The pot that they were quote-unquote making wasn't supposed to fall apart but they just kept making out <laughs> awesome aquafina was supposed to wear several different wigs throughout this movie however after putting on the blonde wig it was decided to scrap the other wigs and just let her keep that one is that toots no oh the joke about this was kept in the scene where actor ken jong starts calling her asian ellen oh Good rich, something crazy rich. Crazy ages? rich. That's the one. Uh, that's the one, James. Crazy. Fry rich knew it, and I stole it. Nice. On the set of this movie, Whitney Houston would give Kevin Costner singing lessons bodyguard. in exchange for acting advice. That's the one. The bodyguard, I think. Heath Ledger declined to go to the one-month cowboy camp that had been organized. Three Musketeers. As he had grown up on farms in Western Australia, Jake Gyllenhaal was required to attend, however, as he needed, quote, roughing up. A Knight's Tale? Negative. Is there like City Slickers Part 8 or something? Nope. Romance. Well, I thought maybe that one was a romance. <laughs> yeah, where Billy Crystal fucks Jack Palance. Oh, oh, is is it Four Feathers? No. One of these so, days say it's the going to be Four again? Feathers. That would be Heath Ledger, who did not have to go to cowboy camp, and Jake Gyllenhaal, who did. Brokeback Mountain? That's the one. Oh, that was them, huh? Okay. According to actress Nia Vardalos, paying for catering during this movie was not a problem. Wherever the film was being shot, local restaurants would learn about it, and they'd just send over lots of free Greek food. My crazy my big fat Greek, Greek wedding? wedding? That would be the correct title from oh. Fry, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Boys, for not knowing anything about romance, you're doing pretty okay. Yeah. We're all secret romance fans. <laughs> After filming, Gregory Peck informed the producers that, as Audrey Hepburn was certainly going to win an Oscar for this her first major role, they better put her name above the title. The producers did, and Audrey won. Oh, 
James, this is one from when you were a kid, right? Yeah. It's um <laughs> No, what? No. Yeah, oh gosh. I'm going to I'm going to kill myself. I know this movie. I'm going to slap myself in the head. This is um, the most famous romance movie I, oh, ever is made. This, is this when Harry met Sally? It is not. No, when Harry met Sally, good. I said neither Meg Ryan nor Billy Crystal. That was in the, I like, what, the 80s or 70s. This, yes, is, this, this, is, this goes way back. This one is Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn from 1953. Yeah. I, I can see a scene from this movie in my head with Peck at the steering wheel and she's like sitting aside like this. Uh, you're probably thinking of a Vespa because that is Roman Holiday. Yes. Oh. Ah. Gregory Peck as uh, woman-hating as he was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Director Danny Boyle placed the money to be paid to the three lead child actors of this movie in trust, and it wasn't released to them until the completion of grade school at 16 years of age. The production company also set up an auto rickshaw driver to take the kids to school every day until they were 16. I mean, I know it's not a romance, but if there are three kids, it's got to be three ninjas. <laughs> it's a romance. Oh. Hmm. Three ninjas. Uh, that's the only. I was gonna say that that did go underappreciated. I should call really it good. That. No, let's let's stop. Let's let's include <laughs> that. Uh, was this was that uh, Slumdog Millionaire? That's the one. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Okay. And your final. Every, the, every kid in Three Ninjas already had money and driving. <laughs> you're and ways you're to absolutely get to right. If you can throw CDs around in your house in the '90s, you're fucking rich. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Three Ninjas. In your final question, Dame Judi Dench won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role as Elizabeth I, although her screen time totaled 5 minutes, 52 seconds. I feel is that like the she's... shortest appearance anyone's ever gotten an Oscar for? That is the second shortest. I am amazed you had the statistic at hand. What's the first? <laughs> the, 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 the first shortest was from uh, Network, and that was Beatrice Strait. Oh. Hmm. And doesn't she, help me with this answer And she at all, clocked in at right about five minutes. The problem is I feel like Judy Dench has played the queen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can tell me she hasn't, but I, in my mind, you know. Boy, she's good looking, isn't she? <laughs> Judy Dench. Didn't they? they did I, I think you're thinking of Helen Mirren. No, I, I am thinking of Judy Dench. Okay. You are wrong, sir. I mean, don't get me wrong. Helen Mirren, yeah, great. But, you know. I don't know. I got nothing. Nothing on that one? Not even mm. James on that one, because he already tried to guess Shakespeare in love. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, dearie gracious sakes alive, that was a runaway for two people who don't know anything about romance movies, because I think we got, <laughs> got like seven out of ten questions. So the totals for that were six to Fry, putting him at 18, and three to James, putting him at 13. Oh, I'm falling right. behind. Well, remember, away with this one. that's what always happens. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, but this time I'm going to keep it going. Do you, do you know you know what it is, right, Fry? My brain my is incredible air-cooled. power. No, it's my brain is air-cooled. So when the weather oh. gets cooler, I become smarter. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I really should put in some kind of liquid cooling system, but, you know. So we're tackling a nine-year-old romance movie today. Good golly. Nine-year-old? Oh, wow. Now, I am going to refuse to call it by its American title. Okay. For reasons that only the sages at the Motion Picture Association of America could tell us, it was released in America 
in the year of our Lord 2013 as What If, which is a terrible title. It was released to the rest of the world, including Canada, as The F Word. That does seem like a much better title. Marginally better title. (laughs) And also, uh, we, we had the same problem when we did Split. There are so many movies with both of those titles. It is a pain to Google anything about this. So many movies <laughs> and shows. Like, you had Gordon to Google. Ramsay. Did you have to Google the F word? <laughs> well, if you Google the F word, you might wind up with Gordon Ramsay's TV show. Or if you Google What If, you might wind up with Marvel's What If. Both of which are much more popular than this movie. Hmm. So, What If stars uh, Daniel Radcliffe as our main character Wallace. Adam Driver plays his friend uh, Alan. And then we've got uh, Mackenzie Davis as, as Nicole and Zoe Kazan as, as Chantry, the main love interest here. And put some respect Ooh. on I'm Zo- sorry, can you please hold on for a second? Did you say her name was Chantry? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like from Dragon Age. Like from, Dragon. Like from, the, that, from like the Catholic fast. Church. Like Chantry. Yes. Her okay. name is, is Chantry. Please continue. Just wanted to make sure I heard that. I, I want to put some respect on Zoe Kazan's name because that is Miss Alice Longabow from uh, The Girl Who Got Rumbled from uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You probably, oh, no, I wasn't... La- you probably last saw her chasing after an irritating dog. <laughs> That's right. So... We've got Harry Potter and Kylo Ren in the same movie. Indeed. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is, is not a tall man. And Adam Driver is as tall as two men. Yes. And it makes framing a lot of these shots extremely difficult. I thought you were going to say awesome. They're sitting down a lot. (laughs) The couple of scenes where they're like walking through someplace together, you can tell it was like a cameraman's nightmare to try to get this shot in. They're at at a really weird, like extreme Dutch angle on the ground pointed up with with Radcliffe nearer to the camera. You've got Adam Driver's chin in frame and the top of Daniel's (laughs) hair. (laughs) So, all right. So Daniel Radcliffe plays Wallace. Mm -hmm. He's... What? Somewhere in his 20s. He works a dead-end job. He he writes technical manuals for software products, which someone's got to do, but it's not the most exciting work. It's an odd career for him to find himself in, because up until just over a year ago, he was in med school studying to become a doctor. And then he happened upon his girlfriend cheating on him with one of their professors, and he left both the hospital and the medical career, and his girlfriend, and pretty much all of his social life behind. So that's where we meet him. I have an instant dislike of this man. (laughs) We meet him. He has not gone outside for a year. He's barely talked to anyone except for his his friend and roommate, Alan, Mm -hmm. and basically just goes up on his his roof every night and listens to the voicemail that his girlfriend left him one last time. But don't worry, it gets better from there. We, the very first thing he does in like the first moment of this movie is delete that voicemail. He's ready to go out there and meet some new people. Uh, he's not really, but his friend makes him come to a party. So he gets okay. to this party and, you know, he's just the life of the party. He's standing around in the corner making fridge poetry with some of the magnets, not talking to anybody. He bumps into Chantry, who was, you know, coming back to get a beer. They... They seem to have, like, a little, like, slight amount of chemistry, but not much early on. If only he had showered even once during that year at home. <laughs> it really is a shame. If only he'd showered once. 
Fucking COVID. He's just got, like, pig pen flies around I think in 2013, the idea of someone not leaving the house for a year would seem odd. And now, Mad, yeah, like, not now oh, though. Only a year? Oh, you you stayed at home all year, so you're living your best life. Kick ass. <laughs> Good for you. So he he happens to be leaving the party at the same time Chantry does, and they happen to live in the same direction because otherwise the movie doesn't happen. Right. And so they they walk home. He walks her back to her place. They're having a nice conversation. He's like, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you again sometime. And she's like, yeah, sure, that would be fun. Here, I'll give you my number. I gotta hurry, though. My boyfriend's inside. He'll be worried about how late I am. And he's like, ah, oh, cool. Okay, well, we'll just be friends then. Mm. God damn, she and says then, my boyfriend a lot. She does say that a lot. It is like Borat territory. <laughs> my boyfriend. Yeah. So, so he gets home, and he takes the piece of paper with her number on it, and he tosses it to the wind and, and uh, resolves to forget about her. That seems fair. And I guess he manages it for a couple of days, and then he winds up going to a movie, a showing of The Princess Bride, by himself, coolest thing to do in the world, and who does he run into there in the most unlikely scenario possible but Chantry? I have a question. Yes. The Princess Bride is showing in a theater. Yes. Yes. This is back in 2013. Yeah, this is 2013. Okay. No, no, no. That's not... No. Anyway, continue. Sometimes movies, theaters show older movies. Yes. This happens all the time. You've been to an Alamo Draft House with me. That sounds like a fabricated story, but we'll discuss it later. <laughs> How could you go to an Alamo Draft House, Russ? You're in Canada. We have been to the Alamo Draft House so many goddamn times, I can't count. <laughs> I also want to point out that this movie is set in Toronto, Canada. And Toronto is playing itself. And I had this perverse little hope at the beginning of the movie because the movie opens with a shot of lots of Toronto things. So there's like the CN Tower and you see some streetcars and I think the subway and like all like that. And I really wanted it to like pop up on screen New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Just like this perverse, yes, tell me it's a different city. The reason that it was that that Toronto, well, the director has such a hard on for Toronto is because uh, the director is Michael Dowes, who is from London and the nearest cool city. Oh, I'm sorry. I should say that's London, Ontario, not the good London. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you clarified. Uh, I was like, There's a lot of nearer cool cities to London. Yeah, and the nearest cool city to London, Ontario, only second only to Kitchener, is uh, Toronto. So, there you go. They couldn't have called it New London, huh? Should I get into a history lesson about the possible (laughs) names for We can always cut it out if it's not funny. (laughs) I, I am here for a segment on Canadian history. Well, my favorite is like what the, what they were going to call Canada. England too? They incorporated in like fucking 1974. And so yeah. they didn't. It's like, what are we going to call our new country? And one of the finalists was Toponia. <laughs> that would have been cool. That's off the chain. <laughs> Wild. Anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So they meet up again outside the theater. And they're like, you know, we can't ignore the fact that we know each other and said we were going to be friends and now here we are again so let's let's go get a drink they start to form a nice connection they they actually almost seem like they're becoming friends except of course we know that wallace does not want to be friends with her he wants to be much more than that but he's uh, he's keeping that all on the down low Fry, i think the terminology is he like likes her he does he like likes her yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
She tells us a lot about her boyfriend. Actually, more about her boyfriend than herself. Hmm. Is he her boyfriend Adam Driver? UN. No, her boyfriend is her boyfriend is Ben. He, if I was if I was dating Adam Driver, I would talk about him a lot more than I talked about myself. <laughs> right. Now, I, Agreed. I want a Harry Potter this one. Okay, this is this is just okay. a point out. Uh, ben, her boyfriend, is played by Rafe Spall, and Rafe Spall is the son of Timothy Spall, and Timothy Spall should be known to Harry Potter fans everywhere as <gasps> Wormtail. That's right. Harry Potter is fighting Wormtail's son in this movie. Wasn't that a dragon? No, Wormtail is the nickname of Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> oh, the Peter rat Pettigrew. guy. Yeah. God damn it. Oh. Oh, good. I don't know about the Harry Potter. Anyway, go for it. It's it's too new for you. We'll explain it to you. Yeah, I don't. So, this, the, the kids are buzzing about this book. <laughs> fucking twenty five years ago. <laughs> so I, I also I want to say something about you know their their whole courtship period, but this applies to pretty much all the dialogue in this movie. It does not sound the way normal people speak, but it's, <laughs> oh, it's not like it's not like Aaron Sorkin levels. We're like, oh, everyone's right. secretly a genius. It's just, oh, these people are way hipper than any regular person ever would be on their feet. You might be shocked to learn this, but I had surmised that human speak was not going to be fully represented in this. All right, film. good, good. So just so you're on the same page. So Chantry mm. invites invites him over for dinner with Ben and to meet uh, one of her other friends who is looking for a rebound guy, although she doesn't set it up that way to, to Wallace. And she invites <laughs> her over for this dinner party. Oh, she, she's trying to hook him up with one of her friends? Okay. It's not clear that she meant to do that. Like, it was more like, hey, we're going to have a friendly dinner party. And then as they're, like, waiting for it, it was her her, is like, I'm going to bang the fuck out of your friend. Yeah, it was her excuse for him to finally meet her boyfriend. Yeah. Ah. Okay, gotcha. So... Honestly, this this scene, it, to me, it was one of the funnier scenes in the movie because there's a couple of great things happen. First, Ben and Wallace finally meet and they're having a discussion. Ben greets him while holding a butcher's knife and pointing it straight at him. And then as, as soon as Chantry and her friend go off and have a side conversation, Ben turns to him and he's like, so are you trying to fuck my girlfriend? Are you, are you, is that what you're here to do? <laughs> and... and and Wallace is like, but they're right. No, I'm not. But they're right there. He's like, oh, no, they think we're talking about international copyright law. They've stopped listening. They're not going to pick up for, on this for a couple minutes. Wait, why would they think that? that? That's what his job is. He does something about international copyright law at the UN. Okay. So he's he starts off explaining his job, and then he just jump cuts to, so you start, you're trying to fuck my girlfriend. Clearly, Wallace is shaking. But he's like, no, no, I, I swear I'm not. And no, sir. <laughs> Ben is also 17 feet taller than Daniel Radcliffe. Well, so, I mean, this is another to, be one fair, to be fair to Ben, a lot of people are taller than Daniel Radcliffe. This is true. But, like, when you're casting a movie, you can choose which people you cast. And they have intentionally chosen all of the tallest men in the world to surround Daniel Radcliffe with. Well, maybe that was, yeah, maybe it was a choice. Who knows? I mean, it may have been. I mean, it certainly was a, a choice of some kind. Uh, definitely one that made it harder on the cinematographers. <laughs> Adam Driver, Liam Neeson, and Andre the Giant's desiccated corpse. <laughs> and Christopher Lee. I was going to say Christopher Lee. Is, yes. So Ben is trying to show off what a great cook he is because he's cooking all the food for this thing. But I get the feeling he doesn't cook very often because he makes the rookie mistake 
of rubbing his eyes after chopping jalapeno peppers. A mistake Ooh. you only have to make once. That and sweet hot oil that will get he you He begins every time. screaming in pain. And they all turn to Wallace as though his brief stint in medical school qualifies him to deal with this emergency. <coughs> and he's like, uh, eye drops maybe? Which, I guess it did qualify him to deal with that emergency, and none of the rest of them thought of that. So he goes into the bathroom to find the eye drops. No, no, it's you just pour milk in their eyes. <laughs> I really, nearly any liquid I feel like would have helped the situation better than it was. Water so, wouldn't have. It is well, the most minor water. emergency that could exist, and it's the pretense yeah. in this movie to move the plot along. What happened? <laughs> he touched his eyes after cutting jalapenos. You know what that is? That's a mild inconvenience. It- I, yeah, I wouldn't no, he say, was like, screaming like, like he'd been stabbed in the eye. No, it stings a little bit, but you can see it's not, it doesn't. It's not like you know. Pepper well, Ben spray. can't. I I choose to take this moment as revealing an awful lot about Ben's backstory. Part oh, one, like he never actually cooks. Part two, he has the lowest pain tolerance of any <laughs> man on the planet. Oh no, I was going to say jalapeno allergy. <laughs> he I mean, goes into anaphylaxis and dies. <laughs> Act two is the morning bin. That that would have been an emergency. They should have just done that. They took it a more comedic direction. This is a romantic comedy, not a not a. Oh yeah, wait till you hear the comedic direction. Yeah. So Wallace goes into the bathroom to get the eye drops, Mm -hmm. and Ben continues stumbling around the apartment blindly. Which there were two other adults there. They could have helped him a little bit. He walks over to the window. I mean, he's an adult man that blinded himself with a jalapeno. Maybe they couldn't have helped him. (laughs) That's fair. He wanders over to stand perfectly directly in front of the bathroom door and next to the open window of their second floor apartment. Just as Daniel Radcliffe tries to go back out through the door, knocking him out of the window onto the pavement below. Oh, yeah. Comedy. (laughs) Yeah, it's hilarious. I'm, Fry, are you certain that was the second floor? Because the way that shot was framed made it look like he fell from a blimp. <laughs> it did. I am only saying second floor because survivability rates go way, way down, down above the second floor. I swear to God, there's a take out there where they had him do that bent leg thing that they do when a character yeah, is yeah. dead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Russ, you, do you and Fry want to talk about this, and when I come, and I'll come back in when you're like on the same side of this one? Or, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're on the same side. I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. So th- that's how they meet. It, I don't actually recall. I don't think Ben's injury plays into the plot anymore after that. Like, <laughs> it's better later. Like it, he's just like I'm fine. So we move into the second act, and I'm going to tell you right away. This is a fairly predictable romantic comedy. You will see all of the story beats coming well ahead of time. And now is the time in the story where something has to slightly get get between Chantry and Ben so mm. that there can be some tension as to whether or not... I cannot get over her name. That is so weird. It she, is such a weird name. She goes by Beelzebub in the movie. <laughs> that, see, that's fine. That's a good name. Strong name. Good family history. But Chantry is a thing. Anyway. So Ben is assigned to go work for the uh, work on some negotiations for the UN regarding international copyright law. This guy and is really important. <laughs> yeah, no, he actually is mildly important, I guess. Well, more so than like, you know, me. <laughs> like, Certainly more so than Wallace. 
which is really the distinction they're trying to draw here. At about the same time that Ben's getting his appointment to work on this this treaty in Dublin, Wallace is getting yelled at at work for having done a poor job writing a user manual and to just write it again. <laughs> but they're like not even in a hurry for it. He's like, I'll come back in a month. So this job different. where you could just tell them when you're going to be done with it. No, the boss says, I'll give you a whole month to rewrite it. Okay. Which I've never been given anything to do that lasted longer than like a couple of days before the next thing came in. So I don't understand this. This is a very movie job, yeah. Yeah. So Ben gets assigned to this uh, this treaty organization in Dublin. He's going to have to live there for six months. Obviously, you know, Chantry and him are very worried. We'll be, we'll be able to do the long distance thing. And he, he buys her a ticket. He's like, hey, you can use this ticket to come visit me in Dublin anytime, especially when the plot requires it. Yes. And then he flies off and we don't see him for a while. We get a montage of a few months passing and lots of messages from Ben about all the places he's been in Europe and all the fun he's having out there and Chantry going to her knitting circle and occasionally going out to drink with Wallace. And that's about the entirety of her social life. Knitting circle. Knitting circle. I mean, yes. nothing wrong with that. I just, if you said it before, I missed it. So I was just catching up. Yeah. So... The, the one other thing that's going on is Alan, Wallace's friend, is giving him some advice. He's like, hey, so are you going to do something with this whole relationship, not relationship thing you have with Chantry? And they discuss some options. And he's like, OK, well, either you could basically they boil down to you can either be really sleazy, you can be really conniving, or you could tell her the truth and just own up to however it comes from that. So he goes and for conniving. And Radcliffe goes for none of the above. Oh, okay. Just keeps on, we're just going to keep on doing this until the world ends. <laughs> this movie so, has five, so we're, we're back on Adam Driver now, so I wanted to mention, this This movie has five seconds of dialogue that is among the most heard in the world because it made the rounds on TikTok recently. And oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that the reason, I, I don't know if it was true for you as well, Fry, but the reason you chose this one, did it just come to your Netflix no, I and I honestly I didn't know about the TikTok sound either. This was one a, a friend of mine told me about. And uh, I was like, oh, this seems fine. I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> He's so excited about about. I mean, this that day. sounds like a that sounds like a pretty good day. Yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah. yeah. So Alan decides to get married to uh, Nicole, the woman he met at the party at the beginning of this. Okay. And they have this nice wedding, and Wallace brings brings uh, Chantry with her. With because the wedding is romantic, and the plot needs to move along. And the plot needs to move along, but also Chantry brings her sister, who has apparently decided she really wants Wallace. I was hoping you were going to say, wait, is, Wall- is Adam Driver Wallace? No, Daniel Radcliffe is. Oh, Radcliffe. I was really hoping you were going to say Adam Driver because that would be really funny. I mean, she probably really <laughs> did, but he just got married. It's really not, impolite look, to do I'm that not, at the wedding. I'm not anti Daniel Radcliffe here. I'm not. I'm not. No, like Daniel Radcliffe is fine, but Adam Driver. I mean, have you seen him? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's above six feet tall. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not this dealing is, with a gnome ter- home. <laughs> This is terrible. But 
You know who hasn't seen him? Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen his belt loops. <laughs> There's oh, a lot of scenes where it seems fry. like he's looking at his belt loops. Naughty. After the wedding, Chantry's sister drives them home, drops off Chantry first, and then goes up to Wallace's place. And she has decided she wants to sleep with Wallace tonight. Wallace Good for doesn't her. know anything has is going on at all. He's like, oh, a person has given me a ride home. Great, cool. And they have the most awkward conversation between the two that ends with them briefly making out before he says, no, I have to stop this, and she shoves him out of her car. So we, we know, like, not only is does he have it does he have it bad for Chantry? He could have just but gracefully he's, he's, exited. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a little bit later, moving the plot along again. Some of these scenes don't necessarily connect other than something had to happen. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the four of them... You know, we the, made a movie! The four of them, Wallace, Chantry, Alan, and Nicole, they all go out swimming and, and camping on the beach, and they decide mm-hmm. to go skinny dipping. And, oh, Alan and Nicole, those, those devious fellows, they steal the other two's clothes and the car and just leave them one sleeping bag for the night which yeah so i haven't spent a lot of time in toronto but i'm i'm to understand it gets cold at night in toronto i think they're at the scarborough bluffs then where it is extremely cold so i don't know what your guys's experience in skinny dipping is it's always a fucking prank no one does that people tell you that it's going to happen and then they take your clothes it's always a prank i've never been skinny dipping Learn from my wisdom. It's not a thing. It's like cow tipping. It's not real. <laughs> the more you know. You can't buy experience, but you're damn sure about to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't pay with money. Anyway. So Gentry gets, you know, understandably upset about the situation their friends have been have left them in. She briefly wonders if Wallace put them into up to this. He's like, no, I'm mm-hmm. as naked and pissed off as you are and <laughs> finally they naked and pissed now i want a t-shirt that says naked and pissed off <laughs> yes they they begrudgingly spend the night in the one sleeping bag that was left there and then the next day alan and nicole show back up and those two are just furious at them for what they did that's a the most icy ride home you can imagine Oh, the outrage! (laughs) And Chantry decides, like, well, you know what? This is too much. I've got to talk with my boyfriend. I'm finally going to use the ticket to Dublin that's been sitting here. I am sorry it went that way, because what I was hoping was that she would say, we have to prank them back, and they would bond over it. But, no, he can't. The movie just turns into, like, act two is just jackass. Yeah, like just well, no, not jacket. Like like fun pranks, not like oh god, not, where did not my kicking entire Adam Driver go? in the balls? We <laughs> glued Adam Driver's testicles to his thigh. <laughs> <laughs> we put a live bear in, in Nicole's house. <laughs> we filled her car with bees. That was an actual jack jackass prank. It was. Yeah, I think all of these were actually. Yeah, there was a bear at one point. There was I a th- live think, bear. No, I think that was uh, the Wild Thing show. What do they call that one? I don't fucking know, but man, that was. Have you ever like rewatched Jackass? It is the saddest thing possible. <laughs> like Bam Margera is like a thirty-year-old man, and he's like, "I'm gonna make my parents cry." 
Well, uh, well, that and then also his fucking knees don't work. Like it's it's insane. No, it is it is sad, but I still enjoy it because it still makes me feel like an emperor being like, "Amuse me with your Dance, bodies and no, pain." You two joust with your penises. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> so anyway, Chantry goes to Dublin, expecting a a wonderful romantic reuniting with her boyfriend who she's missed so long and what she instead finds out as she gets there and it's it's not the cliche of oh she catches her boyfriend cheating oh okay that's what i thought she does catch her boyfriend (laughs) drunkenly walking home one of his female co-workers but there is a reasonable explanation and that they happen to live next door to each other in the same apartment because that's they're all there for work i guess how diplomats do (laughs) That said, I feel like it's left as an open question for you to decide if he had been cheating on her or not. It's never really confirmed one way or the other, but she doesn't, like, get evidence that it does. Right. In the background of this, there's this whole other thread about Chantry's career and her possibly getting a promotion and moving to Taiwan for a year. And they, they're they discussing it, and he's like, well, yeah, that'd be fine. I'll be in Dublin. I've, they're wanting to extend my contract another six months here. We can meet in the middle. And she's like, do you mean like Toronto? And she's, which I th- I think shows an astounding lack of understanding of geography. Yeah, and he's the, like the, no, the, like those the two is like somewhere in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> God. So she she goes back home, no clearer about what to do than than when she got uh, when she left. But while that was happening, our good friend Wallace has finally decided. Well, you know. What is the reasonable thing to do in this situation? The reasonable thing to do Sleep is, with her of sister. course, to be friends with someone for four months under false pretenses. And then mm. when they fly to a whole other country to be with their boyfriend for the first time in, in several months, I'm going to fly there, too, and confess my feelings. Oh, he's stalking her. Cool. Yeah, this is a bad choice. And I really don't feel like the movie should have rewarded him for this choice. No, it's it, not a bad it, choice. He's a stalker. <laughs> just say it. That's yeah. not cool. It's really so weird, gets, too. I feel like that was just inserted yeah. to up the drama because, like, him as a character, it's it, it would be like, I don't know, me buying the Batmobile or something, but that would somehow be <laughs> yeah. more believable. Yeah, yeah. At least the yeah, Batmobile is cool. If, if I found out you bought the Batmobile, I'd be like, yeah, that I tracks, see it. Kind of. Yeah. I'd be, yeah, I'd be like, Russ, my friend, <laughs> let's visit, let's <laughs> hang out <laughs> in your car. <laughs> Depending on the version of the Batmobile, I don't think I could fit in it very comfortably. But it'd be very cool to see. It definitely, it'd definitely be, it'd be the Tumblr. Seem... It'd be the Nolan Batmobile. Oh, I want that muscle car one from the from the recent Batman movie. That was fucking sweet. My first Batmobile will always be my favorite. That's the the Keaton version from from the eighties. It is a good. Oh, Batmobile. I thought you were going to say the one from the fifties show. That old Corvette they they put fins on. Well, bigger fins. <laughs> it's mean, a car that already had fins. All they did, <laughs> all they, they gave did it was wings. put slightly higher yeah. fins on it and paint it black and blue. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Gotta love that props department. Oh well, I mean it's you know Wallace shows up at Ben's apartment. Looking for Chantry, finds mm. Ben instead because obviously Ben lives there. Ben's like, "What and, the fuck, dude?" Reasonably, and, very reasonably, is like, "What the fuck?" I don't remember the exact dialogue, but it the scene is basically he says, "What the fuck?" and then punches Wallace in the face, and he yeah. falls down a flight of stairs. 
That seems reasonable. It, and so Wallace flies back to yeah. Toronto, and having the flown there the... for one day to get punched. Nothing he flew there happens got punched there. in the face. He flew other there than punched getting the face. a nice new black eye. <laughs> so he goes back to Toronto, and and Chantry's like, "Hey, look, I really need to talk to you." And it's clear she's got feelings for Wallace, Wallace too. She was making a list of things that are good and bad about each of the places she could possibly go to next. And Toronto, like her number three thing about staying in Toronto is, well, Wallace is there. So clearly she has some feelings for him too. And they're both back. She's like, hey, I need you to have dinner with me on such and such day. He, or lunch at this diner, and he's he rushes from the airport to just barely get there in time because when he got the message, he was in Dublin. And she gets there and she's clearly trying to tell him something about how she feels and the the difficult decisions she's going through and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But Wallace has a big fucking black eye he hasn't explained. <laughs> and finally she's like, you've got to tell me what the fuck happened to your face or I'm not going to be able to have this conversation with I you. I fell! I fell! <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I flew to Dublin and got punched in the face by your boyfriend. <laughs> oh. I probably shouldn't have said any of that out loud. Whoopsie doodle. She reacts in what I feel like was a perfectly reasonable way for her to react to this new information. Blows up at him in the diner and leaves. Yeah. And basically, never want to see you again, that sort of thing. You've been lying to me this whole time. Weird creep, yeah. I am going to go all the way to the end of this movie. It's not like this is a movie where the plot has a major twist at the end and it turns out... Oh no, will they ever get together? Well, it does end with them on a train going over a bridge... (laughs) they're broken up and wallace is like well you know maybe maybe i should just go back to med school Mm -hmm. like this is this has been fun but i'm gonna go back to med school and get on with my life you probably should go back to med school and alan mysteriously is trying to convince him to chase after her instead of going to med school he's like look when you're when you're 80 90 years old are you going to wish you'd gone to med school right yes, now? Yes, because you'll be able to you'd... pay for all of your own <laughs> medical bills. Yeah, it, it, his response is like, yeah, I'll probably have also saved thousands or millions of lives as a exactly. doctor. I can do tremendous good to the, the world. Love is meaningless. <laughs> and so he, he signs up for medical school and seems like that's how the movie's going to end, except, oh no, the movie's still going on. Yes. And <laughs> so, you know, it's not going to end that way. And she decides to take the job in Taiwan. She's getting ready to leave. They have one last, you know, they're going to have one last party to say goodbye to her. And of course... Why is he invited? There's a whole complicated thing. Chantry is Alan's cousin, which is how they even were at the same party to to begin with. Okay. Alan is Wallace's roommate. I'm going to be honest. The last 10 minutes of this movie don't need to exist. Yeah. They threw in the complication because I think they were like, oh shit, we're at 84 minutes. Like, we need oh, okay. we need to tick it right yeah. over. See those arbitrary time limits, yeah. Now, I, I did think the the way it all finally resolves in the end was pretty cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're back at the same party, the same kitchen they met in. They have both bought each other going away presents, or made each other going away presents, which are the same sandwich they had a conversation about at their like first meeting. Oh, it's a fool's gold sandwich, which is supposedly are you something else. The sandwich enjoyed? doesn't have real gold in it. <laughs> the sandwich is, and what a recipe this is! You hollow out a loaf of bread, Italian a bread, whole loaf, Italian bread. 
you you put in a whole jar of peanut butter, you mm. put in a whole jar of jelly, ah. and then you fry up a pound of bacon, put all of that on there, cover the outside in butter, bake it for a little bit, and you're good. Elvis ate seven a day. Yeah, it does sound like an Elvis sandwich. That is disgusting. <laughs> They realize, oh, there must be something. We both got each other these sandwiches. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, we see them getting married. And instead of wedding cake at their wedding, they have these sandwiches again. Sandwiches. And then we see them both coming back from Taiwan together, uh, about to start their new life in the U.S. after her assignment there was done. Or back in Toronto, I assume, not the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they're the, the same movies. place. It's it's all look North America. No, it's it's you know it's a very cold northern city. It could America be North. <laughs> okay, thank you, Fry. Russ, yo, <laughs> what would you like to say about this film? Well, I want to open with a very odd quote. Now, this was a review for this movie taken from McLean's magazine, written by Brian Johnson, and the quote, okay. and I'm quoting here: "The performances and the direction are sharp." And despite the fact that the cast is largely non-Canadian, Michael Dowes has made a movie that at least looks Canadian in a good way. <laughs> now, glad he specified in a good way for all of our listeners not in Canada. And, it's, and this is common knowledge here that a Canadian movie that looks Canadian is a protected term, like Scotch whiskey. And Ah. this means that the movie must contain a scene where at least two characters dress as hockey players and fuck one another with a bottle of maple syrup in or in the vicinity of a Tim Hortons. There must also be a portrait of the queen visible in frame and no characters may mention it. And of course, you're thinking what I'm thinking. Is the syrup scene done tastefully? It absolutely is. And the uncredited extra in the beaver costume was just charming. Fantastic. Okay. So, and did they did they have a moose in the background, or was this were they trying to be a little? They thought that would be it cliche. Or? It's inside okay, of Tim- yeah, that's, it's that's inside fair. of Timmy's. So the F word is quirky. It's cute and it's well acted. And Adam Driver absolutely steals the entire show. And that's Daniel- why I kept thinking about it. It was like, there's no way. <laughs> and he Daniel Red, but Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan are cute and they have wonderful chemistry and nothing unexpected happens it hits all the rom-com notes two cuties meet two cuties have problems and two cuties get together or back together and the phrase formula fiction is usually used as an insult when it comes to film Mm -hmm. criticism but i don't really understand why people like movies because they're formulaic like you could take this rom-com formula and apply it to anything else it's like you could say like there's the fantasy movie formula there's the action movie formula and no one is disappointed when, like, a Mars bar tastes the way you want it to. Right. But a problem that I find with myself is that as I've gotten older, my optics have skewed a little bit. And I find myself thinking things like, you know, this feels a lot like when Harry met Sally. And also right. when Harry met Sally did it better. And I'm 40 years old now, and I wonder if it's the same kind of phenomenon as what stops people from listening to new music. And Mm. this is one of those lives rent-free facts that I've been carrying around for a while. And I've seen now at least two studies that corroborate it, that we reach an age where we stop discovering new music. 
And uh, one was in 2015, and it was conducted by a management consultant at Spotify. And based on their user data, it concluded that people stop or grow much slower to seek out new music at around the age of 33. And a 2018 study from the streaming service Deezer put the age at around 30. Wow. That tracks. Yeah. And your late teen years seem to be the prime age for discovering new music. In fact, yeah. hit songs from when people were teenagers are always in their top streams, you know, like 20 years yeah. later. And, you know, with, with new users of a platform, they're not going to crack the top 500, but it's like, oh, look, there's the Rolling Stones. A lot of movies that are using uh, stuff from way back when, like Stranger Things, they're breaking the mold a little bit because, you know, even now you have young people that are like, oh, what's that song? You like, I'm looking at you, Kate Bush, you know. Mm -hmm. movies work a little bit differently just because they tend to be more events like you have to stop what you're doing to watch a movie and pay more attention than you might to a song but you still remember the movies from when you were kids as being better than they were yeah definitely and of course it's there because are very few that hold up <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it, it is because nostalgia clouds everything and even with video games it works the same way like I remember that Ocarina of Time had photorealistic graphics. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, Epona was more real than suck. any other horse. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw a gameplay video recently where, is it, where they were, they had Spider-Man for the Xbox, or Spider-Man 2 for the Xbox, and then Spider-Man for the PS4, like, lined up yeah. side by side. And in my memory, they look exactly the same. Yeah. So they recently came out with Command and Conquer with the Command and Conquer series for super cheap. You can get the whole original series, not the shitty later ones, but the ones <laughs> with the two D pixel graphics and the the remake, the updated graphics. Look how I remember yeah. it looking. Yep. Yeah. But nostalgia clouds even rom-coms. And rom-coms kind of had their heyday in the late 90s and early 2000s for the most part. And now most of the yeah. good ones you see aren't coming from the states. They're coming from, you know, countries that aren't the states. And yep. the ones that you remember have not aged well. <laughs> Pretty Woman <laughs> is a farce. <laughs> Go back and take a look at any power dynamic from any of your old favorites. We clown on love, actually, for very good reason. But because of that, I'm glad that cute little movies like this exist, even though they're formulaic. Like, it's perfectly adequate, but only just, and it's not entirely ridiculous, and even that one Dublin stalking complication they throw in at the end, that lasts for all of five minutes. Yeah. But my one little gripe with the F word is that it's directed <laughs> by another, or written and directed by another two guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that this rom-com barely passes the Bechdel test. And I mean, <laughs> just like the way barely. The, like the way that Rick it and only, Morty passed it that one time. Well, it, it only does, I think, because most of her co-workers and her boss at her job are women. Yes. Like, aren't those the only conversations that aren't about Wallace? Those are the only conversations that aren't about Wallace. And I, I wrote them down. There are two. Uh, there, she talks to her boss about her new job opportunity. That conversation lasts for about a minute and a half. And then there's one exchange at a party where they talk about alternative names for Cool Whip. Right. right. I, I would like to reiterate, in case anyone listening has forgotten this, the Bechdel test is not supposed to be the highest standard. It's it not. It's supposed to be minimum, minimum yeah. for having actual characters in your movie that also are women. 
Now, I should also add, though, that despite mentioning when Harry met Sally with, you know, rose-colored glasses earlier, that was written by Nora Ephron, and it also just barely passes the Bechdel <laughs> test. So, hashtag yes. nostalgia. Oh, thank you, Russ. Thank you, Fry. Uh, good job. Um, no, I think you can do better than this, boys. <laughs> uh, there's no chance I'm watching this. I, look, we said, we said romance. It does not have to be a rom-com. Yeah, we know. I think that's going to be a tough sell. See, I, I was thinking a romance that wasn't a rom-com would be a harder sell. No, like no. This, because This has funny beats Because in. Because the problem is, I have seen, against my will, many rom-coms. <laughs> Um, and they all run together, but uh, I don't. This one, while it sounds like it might be sort of an updated version of that formula, it doesn't really sound interesting enough. That I just there's nothing there for me. I'd be doing the dishes again, even if they were already clean. <laughs> it's a problem. So I, I have I have a couple of ideas for the next one. So I'll okay, forward cool. Those on. Okay, cool. all right. I think you I think you both thought there was a chance that this might not work out. <laughs> it, it did cross my mind. <laughs> okay. Cool but you've also said yes to a whole bunch in a row, and I thought it was likely you were going to say no just because of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I yeah. try to evaluate each. I mean, occasionally I get in a mood. That is what it is. But that has nothing to do with the movie. That's just me being busy. <laughs> no, no. This I try to evaluate the movies, except when I'm in a mood. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Can I challenge you to find like, okay, Russ, what was that one that we watched? The anime one last year. Oh, it really words bubble up like words soda bubble pop. up like soda pop. That was good. Yeah, I had a couple of anime contenders, but I wanted. Uh, I, it doesn't I have to be, be anime. Be I just mean that. it doesn't have to be anime. It just needs to be like sweet would be nice, and not this like look outside the states. I think would probably be the direction. I got some ideas. Okay. If, if you got one, if you got one. I mean, this takes place in Toronto. That's outside of the states. Look outside the it, west. The U, United. It even looks American. Canadian. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> it is. This movie is fifty percent rom com and fifty percent commercial for Toronto. Like I swear, <laughs> the tourism board was involved. But as someone who was recently in Toronto, how well does this movie represent Toronto? <laughs> I mean, they because I, I don't recall seeing a lot of Tim Hortons in the. They, movie. they had a big push broom and like knocked the junkies out of some of the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> In the background, you can see, like, they forgot to edit the whole thing out, and there's this broom, but no, you can't see anyone that it's hitting. Okay. Cool beans. Do either of you have any uh, recommendations to share with the listeners? Boy, howdy, do I. Mm. What you got? So, in 2019, noticed only by me, Netflix collaborated with a studio and came out with a stop-motion adaptation of Rilakkuma and Kaoru. And uh, Rilakkuma is a big bear that has a form inside. There may be a person, there may be a force of energy, who knows. But it's a big bear, and a smaller bear, and a bird who live with a woman. And they do wholesome things. And every episode is like 18 minutes long, and nothing bad (laughs) ever happens in their world. And I've watched every single episode of this an uncomfortable number of times, and I've... (laughs) held my hands to the heavens and cried aloft, when, when will I get my season two of this Netflix show that absolutely nobody watched? (laughs) Well, friends, I'm here to tell you, that day is today. (laughs) 
Amazing. Because what was released without my knowledge and cropped up on my feed like a bolt of lightning, that is Rilakkuma's theme park adventure. <laughs> it is another whimsical little series where nothing bad happens and this big bear has to solve cute problems. Aww. That's, why, uh, does, that... why does Netflix continue shows that only you watch, but not <laughs> shows that lots of people watch? Netflix, how are you making these decisions? I, too, watch a lot of comfort shows. I got sick of Forged in Fire, and so I started watching The Great British Bake Off, and it's so relaxing. Oh, that's you can't touch that fucker. I goddamn fell asleep during one of the episodes, but I had nice dreams, you know. Anytime, watch the episode I, with David Mitchell on it. Fuck, he annihilates. He's on it. Oh, he's, shit, he's on an episode. What about you, Fry? Any recommendations? I this week have picked up Cultist Simulator for the PC, which is <laughs> a lot of fun to play. It's it is rare that I have. I've been a really big uh, Destiny Two fan for the last several months. I've played that quite a bit. I a new season for Destiny 2 came out, which means a whole lot of new content and stuff like that. And I haven't touched it because every time I sit down at my gaming PC, I'm playing Cultist Simulator again. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing, but I'm just like, well, you know, in just a couple more minutes, these things will be done, and then I can see, you know, I can do this next and watch that timer count down. The gameplay is just watching timers tick down, basically. Well, but it's uh... a lot of fun. Well, if we're going to do video games, then I'm going to recommend... This is not a new game, but I recently got it. If you're into a sort of Euro jank, I highly recommend LX2. It is an open-world RPG that does not hold your little stupid baby hands. <laughs> <laughs> it has You get a jetpack from the word go, pretty much. And it is entirely possible with the first level of boost on the jetpack to, from a standing start, go up in the air and kill yourself with fall damage. And it's amazing. <laughs> Great. And you don't go up that far. <laughs> and then I leveled up a couple of times. And so my health went from like 90 to 92. <laughs> it was like, we're going to be here a while. Yep. So I'm imagining that leveling is really slow and max health is like 99. No, I, 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 I think it's just kind of grindy, which is why uh. I've, you know, I've kind of been in and out. But it's. It's a fun experience because it's, it works. Like, there's no game-breaking bugs, but there's weirdness all. Like, it's pretty janky. So, <laughs> I love that stuff in games. You know, in between Bethesda releases, I have to go find, like, indie games that don't work properly. <laughs> all right. Anyway, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey James Watch This. Have a great day. And don't drink bleach. Thank you.